Hi there guys, welcome to Grupo Sanzalo's podcast. I'm your host, Mestre Pedro, and this is our episode number 52. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give you a heads up on Capoeira Solidaria. Capoeira Solidaria is the project that aims to support, promote, and interconnect the different social projects being done with Capoeira with the Capoeira community. In the last couple of years, we've been quite active. We raised over 3,500 pounds. We launched a, a, a Capoeira album and uh, we have distributed over 470 food baskets to 20 different communities spread across six states in Brazil. And until the end of the year, we are aiming to register ourselves within, you know, formalize our initiative in Brazil. And uh, we are looking to set up for 2022 a date where we're going to be hosting a Capoeira Solidaria workshop where all the proceeds are going to go towards supporting the different initiatives. So if you know about a Capoeira project being done in a community, please, we want to hear from you. Let us know the more information we have about individual projects, the more we understand how social projects are working in Brazil as a whole and also understand the different needs of each individual project. So the more we know, the better. Find out, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or on the website sanzala.co.uk forward slash Capoeira Solidaria. On today's episode, I sit with Contramestre Versace to talk about abuse and harassment in the Capoeira community. This is a very delicate topic and I feel it doesn't get enough attention. And I also think it is really important for us as a community to talk about this in an open and, and serious manner. So we look into trying to understand why it happens, why many times allegations are not dealt with properly, and what are the policies that can be put in place in order to minimize the chance of abuse happening, and if allegations do come up, how to best deal with them. So please, guys, have a listen. Let me know your thoughts in the comments and share with your friends. I share. Welcome to the Group Sanzalos podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Pedro. Today here I have my, my good friend, uh, Contra Mestre Versace, soon to be Mestre. Yeah, congratulations, man. Obrigado. Uh, how long, how many days are we talking to on this? Uh, less than, oh no, yeah, we have 30, 30 days, 30 days. Wow, it's going to be on a, on a day of zumbi, right? Day, uh... Yeah, the Dia de Consciência Negra. Uh, yeah. We usually have a, uh, a big cultural event that we do uh, with a lot of dance uh, and historical workshops. Uh, but this time we're going to use it as a uh, time to have a, a formatura that's separate from the normal batizado. Nice, nice. Congratulations, my man. And it's, it's great to be to have you back here. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, you know, we I reached out to you a while ago you know, um, when the Capoeira, when the Capoeira community got really rocked by the the article that came out regarding, you know, CDO, and uh, I remember that one thing that kind of, you know, upset me a little bit was the, 
you know, of course, the shock of everything. But what I'm saying is like the the, the reaction to it, you know, mm-hmm. how they, they, they came out that meme where, you know, was a, like a child crying in the mouth in front and like capoeiristas against pedophilia. And, you know, and, and, and people were thinking that that was taking a stance, you know, and also demanding like, when are you going to take, when are you going to share that? And I just thought, you know, and I remember that I, I reached out to you and, you know, I, I just thought like demanding this stance from a capoeira is like demanding from a, a, a Muslim when there is an, a, an, a terrorist attack and demand them to denounce this. And I just felt that it was a bit of a shallow reaction and that, you know, posting a meme, what is that in concrete to, to, to happen? And then, you know, that's when I reach out to you and, you know, starting this whole conversation on how we can deal with this problem and, and finding ways to, to deal with it, you know, like, and in a concrete manner and, and uh, yeah. And you were, you are, uh, have some experience on dealing this and, and uh, would be nice if you could uh, talk a bit about, your your experience on that and what are your thoughts as well with the with this whole thing that came out and stuff yeah um yeah it was i mean that you know and that just kind of shows us kind of where we are as far as how we're thinking about the way that we move in the world right now because there's so many of these things that people get called out to do that are just performative it's just uh, put that put a black square up put your picture up put this meme up um, and then a week later, you feel like you've done something good and then you can f- forget about it, but people are still suffering. Um, and, you know, I think that you know, my master kind of felt the same way, uh, as well as a lot of the, the teachers in my group that just, just posting something, uh, wasn't, wasn't really going to do much, but at the same time, we did feel like we had a need to, to state a position. So yeah. we we got together and we met and uh, and talked about really what we felt, at least within our group, that we needed to do in order to make sure that those things didn't happen. Because so we didn't, we never had a history of, um, you know, complaints around pedophilia or that type of thing um, in our group. But we, at the same time, know that it's happened. We know that other aspects of sexual misconduct have happened. And we wanted to make sure that there was a way that it could be addressed Um, because you can only be lucky for so long. Um, And so that gave us the space to think about while it's not an emergency for us personally in our, in our group, that gives us the space to build something to prevent uh, emergencies from happening. And, you know, that when you came to me, uh, you were of that same mind that, you know, you were looking to build some structures and have some actions that could, um really create the resources in your group to deal with issues that would come up as well as preventing issues from happening uh as well as have some conversations around some questions that had come up in the past even within your own group so yeah uh, you know i i thank you for bringing me in uh on that and it uh it definitely um you know allowed me to feel that you know, it's not just us here um, in our our little group in the U.S. that are trying to do things, but you know, it's it's a worldwide uh, thing. 
but at the yeah. same time, it's the folks who are speaking out about it and the folks who are actually doing things about it seem to be a little bit, I don't want to say they seem to be different folks, but I'm finding there are fewer people who are actually consistently moving forward and consistently taking steps. And that could be just having meetings on, on a monthly or on a quarterly basis to continually upgrade and update um, your, you know, the group's reporting structure and uh, gaining trainings on uh, sexual misconduct or uh, bystander intervention. Um, these things that allow us to be more accountable within our own cultures or within our own groups. Um, yeah. Because also I think that the, the, the social media, it kind of puts this pressure on like, you know, oh, this is happening now. We have to, we have to take a stance and, and people want something quick, something that doesn't take much. And I actually, you know, I, 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 I was reluctant to post something about this for a number of reasons, but also because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, 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 to think about what I wanted to post, you know, and actually I saw when I did eventually post, it was, I took some ideas of what you wrote, you know, like uh, we are here supporting the, the, the victims that came forward and those who haven't come yet. You know, which is on the certainty that you know the majority of victims they they doesn't they don't come out, and and uh, you know from from uh, within half an hour of posting this, I, I received the message of you know somebody just thanking me for for those words to to be so you know we it is there there is there is um, because those things even though sometimes I would I would imagine that even the victim sometimes wants to forget about it, you know, and wants to bury this. And, you know, these things stay and, and they eventually, they will come out, you know? So I think it's, is uh, is really important, not just to, 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 I mean, it's important to talk within the group, but also to have the mechanisms that, you know, a number of mechanisms that people want to reach out that they that they will feel that okay you can do this by calling your the person who is responsible or you can send an email you know in an anonymously way and and I think that is the the really the the way forward on this but uh, I would like you if you could talk about a little bit of course you don't need to 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 get in, into specifics but you are uh, what is uh, is it called like a health uh i'm sorry i i, I don't remember what, what is the the nomenclature of that so i i have a master's in in counseling psychology um and so with that i do mental health work it's an mft um degree uh so i'm an mfti uh i don't have my licensure yet but i've been working in the field for over five years at this point and um as well, I, I myself am a survivor of uh, sexual abuse um, as a child, uh, and I understand how that has affected um, my ability to understand my own emotionality, to connect with other human beings, to have relationships, um, and what the process is of, of healing. 
through that. So it's, it's also part of my personal journey um, and my personal stance and advocacy, both for uh, people who are, who are victims and uh, survivors, as well as folks who have found themselves um, both intentionally and unintentionally doing wrong or causing harm uh, because those folks also need, uh, need therapy, need to be able to learn how to, um, deal with what has happened. Uh, and in many cases, um, those folks, there was, there would have been a way for them to have changed what happened had they had some mindfulness, um, both internally and interpersonally. And that's kind of really where I find the greatest hope is that uh, there are a lot of instances where people are hurt, where the people who, are, who hurt them were not intending it, um, where maybe they didn't get a clear uh, type of consent. It was implied and they took a signal rather than actually asking the question. Um, or somebody, uh, because of a power differential, maybe somebody's a teacher with a student and the student sees the person with really bright, happy eyes and is attracted. Uh, but maybe you throw alcohol in the mix and things, things naturally, quote unquote, occur. Um, and afterwards, a person is sober and they realize that that's not quite, quite what they wanted. And so they are, again, hurt. Um, and you know, we forget that people can't necessarily consent when there's alcohol uh, in the mix. But who knows? In some cases, one person may have been inebriated. Both people may have been inebriated. And, and these conversations have to be able to happen after the fact, um, where a person can, can, instead of what we usually do, and what we usually do is, no, I didn't, you know, that's, that's a lie, or that didn't happen. Um, we need to start focusing on the victim's experience because the victim's experience doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that the person who did it is a murderer or is a rapist, but the person who did it needs to take account and take accountability for what happened um, and to be able to see what could have been done differently and to learn that they must do things differently in the future or they may have no future. Um, and by taking that approach, the approach that there, in most cases, there's a possibility of redemption um, that allows a person to say, yeah, I did this, I was part of this, and I didn't understand how it was going to affect you. And, and I'm sorry, and I'm working with my therapist, or I would like to work with you to find out how to, how to make things better. What do you need from me? Um, in some cases, it's just that acknowledgement. It's just that, that acknowledgement. Um, most of the time, instead of that acknowledgement, a victim will get gaslighting. A victim will get denial. A victim will get that person and their friends who may be other teachers or maybe other people in power um, standing up and creating a wall that you know, protects that person and doesn't address the experience of, of the victim. So, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's really what I'm trying to get people to understand and get people to buy into, uh, because it's not a, it doesn't have to be a lose win proposition. It can be a win win proposition and it can mean freedom for, for all of those who are, um, who are involved.
Nice. No, it's it's a very interesting uh, and and yeah, this idea of. I mean, I'm sure there are cases. I mean, and also there are so many things that, that can happen, and there are people that you know, if people do a systematic behavior of, you know. Uh, there are cases that I heard of, like somebody who was doing this every event, that kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, because when I think about safeguarding my, my group, I, I start thinking like, okay, where can things go wrong, right? And, and uh, the, the most extreme situations, they, they can happen, but is by, by having in place a, a, a policy, that is understood by the, the, your group, your community, you, you, you limit very much the chance of you know, this happening and not being mentioned about it. Because like, we, we can't control everything, but if the person knows that what we stand for and what we want, like if there is anything, these are the persons you can go during an event or, you know, I think you really, really minimize the, 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 the chance of this happening but would you say that the vast majority of of on your experience has been like this kind of misunderstanding and things that uh, uh, you know from that frustration and the lack of communication how you know it, that things generated from yeah i mean i would i would rephrase that i think that i think definitely the majority aren't the big things where um you have patterns i mean there are there are definitely patterns uh that that are within all of our behavior that allow these things to happen, um, but not necessarily the intentional patterns. And so gaining the mindfulness around the patterns that you and I every day engage in um, is one of the ways that we then end up protecting both ourselves as well as the people who are around us. But in setting up those structures, having, a, you know, as you said, a, a, a statement of con rules of conduct, um, and having ways of reporting, I think the most egregious things generally are going to be headed off. Um, but it's the things that are, and I wouldn't say misunderstandings, but lack of lacks of communication or lacks a lacking of mindfulness uh, when we approach, especially sexual conduct um, or those types of interpersonal uh, activities that. You know, we all have a very romantic way of looking at it, right? Things flow, things happen naturally, things happen, things happen. We don't talk about we do these things. We talk about how things happen as though they automatically happen without the participation of any volitional human being. Um, and so we tend to go by these feelings, which true enough, the feelings are natural and our uh, acting upon feelings can be a natural thing but without necessarily asking some questions along the way. And, um, and mindfulness is that operation of when you feel a feeling, then you know that there's a question that should be asked to make sure that that feeling matches up with the reality, right? I'm a, I'm a teacher, I've been a teacher for a number of years, but when I had just first become a teacher, I noticed this. I noticed that I had blue in my court and I noticed that um, there were people who showed me attention at events that had never known that I existed before. Uh, and it felt really good. Um, 
but it took me a while to learn that those people were misconstruing me because they didn't know me any better when I had blue in my cord than they knew me when I didn't have blue in my cord. And so they were treating me differently, not because of who I was, but because of the level of my cord or maybe my playing had gotten better or more flamboyant or whatever. So for me, I realized that there's this attraction that's not based on who I am. And I would rather as a, as a human being have somebody be attracted to me because they know who I am as a person. And so that allowed me to really, and this is years that it took to come to this resolution. It wasn't instant, uh, but allowed me to be able to say, look, I like this. This feels good. I enjoy talking to you and I enjoy getting to know you, but you don't really know me. And I would really rather have us know each other before anything happens beyond us just being friends, getting to know each other. Does that make sense to you? And when a person who's attracted to you hears that, I've never had that person take that in a wrong way. I've always had that person say, oh, well, thank you. I see that you're also sharing this interest, but that you also want to be protected and that you want to protect me. Um, And when things have proceeded after that, They've always proceeded in a good way. We've come to an understanding. uh, A relationship may or may not have developed out of that, but we've always had an understanding. There's never been, uh, in those cases, somebody saying, you know, this happened that night. And then we, you know, you didn't, you never asked me if I wanted to do that or no, no, no questions, right? It's always uh, been uh, understood. There was always some kind of agreement at that point. Um, but we're not trained to do that. We're trained yeah. to just like the Disney's movies say, you know, squeep in like a knight on a, on a white horse and you pick her up and then you ride off into the distance and, yeah. and then she automatically falls in love with you because you kissed her while she was asleep. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really just understanding when we need to ask ourselves these questions and when we need to ask the other person those questions. Um, I mean, and- Mm-hmm. Sorry, just to, to say, like, of course, like, I understand from your perspective when you, you realize you were in a position in a hierarchy and that that would necessarily bring uh, uh, interest. Uh, uh, and the interest was not necessarily for the person who you were, but the position that you held. Yes. But just like, just to, to, to make things like clear, there is if you didn't take that position that you took, you, it's not necessarily anything that is intrinsically wrong, is it? It's not intrinsically wrong um, because, you know, I could, I could have the same conversations without necessarily having to take that position. Um, it's, but because I know that I, there was a power differential, I know that it's more important for me to do so. Because I could not, I could think that everything was all right and everything not be all right, even if I was in my first chord, right? Mm -hmm. So the same wrong things can happen whether or not I'm a teacher. But I know that now that I'm a teacher, that even more wrong things can happen because a person is going to be even less, uh, less ready to tell me no. Not only that, but I have a school. And I want to keep my school. And so I also have to, 
it's like buying an insur- a business insurance policy just in case something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, I need to have that extra mindfulness because if somebody comes away from my school with the wrong feeling, um, even though I thought everything was okay, you know, then we have to deal with it. So of course, it's, it's just that much more important as a teacher. And so it doesn't mean that I'm intrinsically wrong by not having that, that mind frame, but there's just more possibilities for things to go wrong. To go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, look, I'm no specialist on this. I just been living you know, for, for a while, but what, I, what I'm saying that all these ideas and is important because like English is not my first language and sometimes I can come across in the wrong way. And that's, not really my intention here, but what I, what I meant to say is that everything revolves around consent, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, being the teacher, things can can very quickly be understood differently by both parts, right? Yes. And 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 uh, this is more or less why your your workshop you kind of run is is about, right? Like how. A yes can seem a no, and it looks like what is this guy just like coming out with some excuses and stuff? Just if you could, if you could speak about this this workshop that you have done, and and uh, yeah, about this how things can you know one thing can seem to one person and then actually totally understood you know by another person. Totally, totally. So I I I've been doing these workshops for a number of years now, um, in different formats. Um, but what it really, it centralizes the idea of consent and how consent feels and how it feels not to have consent. And we use a lot of, uh, experiential methods. So, uh, cause talking, as you said, you know, talking really only goes so far, um, especially when we're dealing with multiple languages, but when we work in movement and, and setting up situations between people, uh, it becomes really apparent how difficult it is to get consent or difficult it is to be clear about whether or not somebody is consenting. Um, and you also throughout, through the exercises that we do gain an idea of what it feels like, even on a small scale, when your consent is, is violated. Um, so that teaches you the importance of gaining consent because it's not just, it's not just, you know, uh, the extreme examples of people being raped, but there's small ways that we every day remove consent or remove agency from other people. Um, but that's, that is really the core of it is, is understanding um, consent. There's actually a neurobiological thing that happens like in the brain, uh, whether you're a child or an adult that helps you learn. So when you're in a circumstance where somebody is a, of a higher rank than you, uh, it's, it's like, and I don't want to use wolves because that's been debunked. There's no, there's no reality within the, the range of alpha to, you know, beta, gamma, whatever for wolves. Um, it's actually a parent child relationship, but maybe that's even more, um, appropriate, uh, because the alpha, what we used to call the alpha in a wolf pack was actually usually the parent, uh, the, the mother and father, and then the lower rank wolves are uh, the children. But when you are listening to an adult or someone who has power over you, your brain turns off the disbelief. So the aspects of your cognition that will say, ah, I really don't believe that to be so, become weaker so that you can gain uh, 
newer information that you might not have believed at first. Uh, and so that also you're able to respond to orders that are given by the person or the, the creature in charge. So uh, be it, you know, apes, be it wolves, be it, be it your human parents. Um, so when we're in this position where we know that somebody is in charge, somebody's the teacher, somebody's a police officer, somebody's a parent. Um, and this is why these things also happen more often in families or in, in groups where people know each other than they happen between strangers uh, is because there's this power that's given by the relationship. Uh, so your brain turns off your ability to, to deny what that other person is saying. So when somebody says to a child, we're just playing this game and don't tell anybody because this is just our secret game between you and I, the child thinks that that is the truth. Even if the child by themselves wouldn't think that that, if you wrote that idea down, the child would be like, that doesn't sound like a game, but they're faced with a person. So when you are faced with your teacher or a police officer or your parent, the same thing happens to you in your brain. It shuts down your ability to say, well, that doesn't make sense. And you just say, oh, yes, okay. You just comply. So you just comply. Um, and it's not, be so, and this is the thing for us teachers is that our students will often just comply. Um, and it's, it doesn't mean that we're forcing them. It doesn't mean that we're doing anything bad to them, but because they then drop down to this level of being able to, uh, to really stand up for themselves, we're no longer equals. And we're no longer able to be sure that what the person says that they want is what they want. It's just a biological thing. Uh, so we then have to figure out ways to even that playing field. And that is when we say, are you really sure? Look, let's get to know each other. Let's take some time. Let's get to a context where I am, I'm a person who teaches capoeira, but I'm not your teacher. Um, and for me, um, you know, and, and for I know a lot of a lot of folks who would make sure if they're dating somebody who's a capoeirista that they are not their teacher, that it's somebody who trains somewhere else just because it it keeps things clean. Well, there's bio uh, neurological proof, uh, neurobiological proof. I switched that word around um, that that is uh, a really safer way of doing things. Um, but even if that person's not your direct student, the fact that you are. Professor Contramesti, Graduado, whatever it is, dealing with somebody who is a newer person, you still need to find ways to make sure that that person knows that you're just a person and that you can be uh, told no to and that you really want that person to know you for who you are as a human being and not as the teacher. Um, so to me, it's just designing those conversations and being able to identify um, that that makes it a, a much safer uh, way of relating between between people, um, and it's it's similar to things that you know uh, Yuriko Contemesi uh, Yuriko from CDO. Um, he talks a lot about um, how some of the aspects of uh, colonialism may have seeped into uh, capoeira in the way that often the hierarchy is interpreted. Now, hierarchy is something that's just natural because one person has more experience than another person. But then what we do with that hierarchy, you know, if we say that that means that my, my word is the law, then that can be problematic. But if we say that, no, this means that I have more experience and so I've seen more things 
and I'd like you to at least consider what it is that I have to say, um, yeah. then it, it follows the necessity of those who have more knowledge should be those who are teaching. So I, I think it's, you know, sometimes people go to that extreme and want to completely throw a hierarchy um, as though it's yeah. not something that occurs naturally. Um, and I also don't think that that's necessarily the, the solution, but it is the solution for us who are on the higher end of that hierarchy to try to lower the, to level the playing field and to be as responsible as we can um, in our positions. Yeah. Um, and I think that's you know, what we're all trying to do here. No, it is. Uh, when you said about what uh, the master Eurico, right? He, he said it, it really, it really rings a bell. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it as colonialism, but definitely I would say like leftovers of slavery, you know, like this, this, this culture that there is in Brazil, you know, like you, you don't question the master. I mean, now I, I am 46, but when I was, 16, you know, there was, you know, and I'm a son of the mestre, right? But uh, I, double. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen this. I've seen the, the power that masters had over the students, you know, and like dictating of where to go, you know, what hardest to go, what's like, what to do outside the capoeira and I was saying like God like this is crazy. Oh but the master doesn't like me to go to to this hotel and I, in my mind I was thinking man you pay for the membership you pay for your classes you share what you want to share with him but you you let this happen you know like so in my mind was was always like this but I, I feel that these are conversations that the community really needs to 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 have because you know, if you put together in this equation, social media and how it, it polarizes, you know, how, how our community, our societies are so polarized right now in the UK, in the US, you know, in Brazil. And one is always like, there is no middle ground. You are you, either in my team or you're the worst type of human that there is around, you know? and. And this dynamic of social media really pushed. So when, when something comes like this, like when, when the article came out, there was a lot of people who were like, I think naturally as well, because there'll be some people who wants to get some, you know, a bit of, of the push from, from all the attention on that and people taking a stance or demanding stance or saying, oh, this is this. And, you know, but I, I really feel that, these are conversations that we need to have as a community. And also this is something that just a dimension that things take, it really puts, you know, leaders, capoeira leaders, mestres, professores, contra-mestres, kind of in the back foot because they like, they, they, they get a bit uncertain. It's something that they, they don't fully understand the kind of language is being meant, like, you know, what I'm, and also this also opens the door for a lot of newer kind of interpretations or like you said, or less down with the patriarchy or down with the hierarchy. And, and this puts, I feel from the conversation that I had with, with, you know, some masters and professors that they feel like, oh man, like, you know, so, so the tendency is like, Oh, let's keep let's let's keep this, you know, quiet or, you know, like I just feel not that they not that they don't want to deal with it, but they they don't really know how to navigate on this. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right. And I think that, again, because of the way that it's, it's talked about, it feels like, you know, it's tear everything down, abolish everything. And there are, are some people who come from that point of view, which may or may not be valid. But the, I think if you think about it like capoeira, right? We as teachers of capoeira, we want to spread capoeira and we want to give capoeira. And the more we give, the more it grows. We don't actually lose it by giving it. And our power is the same. And in fact, our power comes from capoeira. Our power is capoeira. Um, so when we're a graduated teacher or we're a messy or whatever, our power comes from giving and sharing that capoeira. And in reality, our capoeira comes from giving and sharing our power. And so when we have students who uh, have gained enough knowledge, then we graduate them to instructor, professor, graduado, whatever it is. Um, and it doesn't mean that we lose any power, or we lose any standing, um, but we have this feeling that it's a zero sum game that, oh, if we, if we kind of give up our power, if we delegate, if we let, let allow ourselves to be held accountable, that we're losing power. But in reality, we're gaining safety because everybody knows what's going on. There's, um, there's a, an ability to be known for who you are. You're not held up on a pedestal uh, and there's transparency. Um, and so if I know that it's scary for people to want to give away their power and to be held accountable, but in reality, it's the safest thing uh, for all, all concerned. And, and that's, I mean, I think that's really, um, I admire you because you've, you, you know, I didn't call you, you called me um, to help to put things, aspects of that into motion in your group uh, to help the, dispersal of the power structure so that everybody could uh, be heard um, and not just even teachers but also other students uh, who don't necessarily have rank um, and I think that is um, that is really what uh, what we're trying to work on here is is the understanding that distributing the power uh, in our groups is not is not going to kill us is not going to destroy our groups but is going to make our groups stronger um, and it's going to allow us to be the guides that we that we're trying to be. Um, so all I can say is, folks, if you know Messi Pedro, uh, you know he's doing his work. We're all doing our work, and please come and be part of it. Um, you know, I'm hoping to continue to do these types of workshops, both online and in person. And um, it doesn't have to be my workshop. Uh, but there are many uh, folks who are specialists in um, community accountability uh, and bystander intervention. Uh, and for me, it's, it's just understanding what we can do as individuals uh, to contribute to community accountability so that our teachers are accountable, our friends are accountable, we're all accountable to each other. Now, we don't need to throw anybody out. We don't need to send anybody to the police in most cases. Um, you know, in the most cases, the police cause more damage. So we want to be able to take that accountability onto ourselves and help one another uh, be responsible, uh, both in preventing things as well as rectifying things when they have been when things have happened. Because uh, again, it doesn't mean that uh, people have to be thrown out or or banished. 
but that we have to understand that there has to be an exchange uh, and a rectification between the person who is the victim and the person who has um, has hurt that person. You know, it doesn't mean that they're an evil person. It just means they did something that they caused damage. That's all. No, Versace, I would like really to, to thank you for your time. I know you have to, to run and, and go and work. Uh, uh, you know, it's midnight right now in the UK. But uh, I, you know, I thank you a lot because you really helped us start this conversation within the group and help lay the, 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 the groundwork of how, how to navigate this whole thing. But I, like I said, I think it's a really important conversation to have. I wanted to, to have you again. You know, um, if you are watching this and you would like to have any questions about it, we really want to start this dialogue because I am uh, holding our batizado in, in December of this year from the 10th to the 12th, Versace, uh, soon to be Master Versace is going to be our guest and uh, I was you know, I we were really considering on, on a possibility of having outside of the work of the Batizado having a, a, a time for us to do a workshop a couple of days maybe and will be just like this to, 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 to make this communication talk about how to deal with this speak to I think all across the spectrum of Capoeira, right? From, from the mastery to the student and, and, and have this conversation that I, I challenge. Like I, I didn't really know how to approach this when we started, you know, but uh, I feel that is something that the community really needs to have and it would be, it would be great if it could happen. So we're going to be hopefully having a few of these conversations. Uh, the next one, hopefully, will be, I'll see how we can do this, if we can do this live, but the interaction will be important and, and, and reach out to the Caputo community. We know quite a little, uh, quite a lot of people on both sides of the pond here, right, in Europe, in the UK, in the US. And it's not necessarily a conversation that can only happen in presence. It's something that we can do online. And I think it will be, will be great that if it could really happen so there is a lot of uncertainty right now with the whole you know the, the numbers here in the uk going up and there's a lot of uncertainty but i think you know i love this saying if there is a will there is a way mm. right so just being as capoeira you know going with the flow and if there is a sweep we fall no hole and we come back and the game goes on so yeah, this is this is what I think we we should uh, we should try to do. So thank you very much, and uh, yeah, guys, Versace first. Thank you so much for your time. And anybody, guys, just leave your comments here, suggestions. Super, super, super welcome. Thank you, everyone. Guys, just before you go, I'd like to invite you to our next episode on this matter. Me and Contramestre Versace are going to be talking this Friday, the 29th of October, 9.30 p.m. UK time. We'll be answering your, your questions you might have live on the YouTube channel Pedro Buquerque. So join us then, Friday, 29th of October, 9.30 p.m. UK time. Axé!